If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good non-football Friday here on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming into Mac and Mac. McMullen, McDonald did with you for the next two hours. Oh, yeah, there was football last night, and there's going to be football Sunday. There's going to be football NFL players on the field <laughs> with footballs hanging around. I don't know if you can actually call it football, but we will for Pro Bowl purposes. Um, but some college all-star stuff we've got to talk about today. And... Eagle coaching news, Johnny Mack. We're going to start there, I guess, an about-face. Carl Scott, who had been reported as uh, coming to the Eagles as either a defensive back coach or a senior defensive assistant. Uh, Nobody was tying into exactly what position he would have um, following his defensive coordinator coming here to coach the defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. Apparently, the new head coach said, no, 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 no. I want you to stay right here on my staff. So Carl Scott, not going to be joining the Philadelphia Eagles in whatever role they were going to create for him. How do you miss a guy you never really even had? Uh, Yeah, you can't. But that's why you got to be careful this time of year because, you know, things like that. And that's why in some ways it's unfortunate in some ways it's good but you're in limbo as an assistant when you make changes uh particularly obviously head coach but even coordinators um because the new coordinator might come in and not want you but he might want you um and you know a lot of guys have families a lot of guys have young kids you know you don't want to move from seattle to philadelphia unless you have to (laughs) across country uh, I don't know if that's what happened with Carl Scott, but I assume that he didn't want to m- make the move. And when he had an opportunity um, to stay, um, 
he stayed. So, you know, kind of happened here with Aaron Moorhead back in the transition from uh, Doug Peterson to Nick Sirianni. You know, Aaron wasn't a Nick Sirianni guy, and but he was under contract still, and the Eagles kind of left him in that limbo, and there were talk that he was going to have to move on, and he thought he was going to have to move on, by the way. And um, ultimately, they couldn't get whoever, whomever they were targeting. And they said, you know what? Let's bring Aaron back. And it's worked out well for him. So, um, yeah, it happens all the time. But uh, it's disappointing when you want a guy, I guess, and you don't get him. But uh, it happens all right. the time. And it happens a bunch of times we don't even know about. Exactly. That it doesn't even get reported. So yeah. you don't know all the backstories. Um which I'll ask you about one if you do or don't have any information on is Aaron Moorhead with this current Eagle coaching change. As of now, he's still under contract to the Philadelphia Eagles as their receiving coach. Have you heard anything about if he is a guy who would fit with what Kellen Moore wants to do or anything along those lines? You want to do some juicy speculating <laughs> for me, J-Mac? Well, just that Devontae Smith uh, said he was here and he was back and he's with us. And I, I don't know if that's official because I don't know if Devontae has that kind of uh, knowledge. But obviously, you know, he's probably texting with Aaron. Uh, they're pretty close and um, there's a chance he'll be back. But I wouldn't say it's 100 percent. And again, it kind of depends on Kellen Moore hasn't even been announced that that one's not going to, you don't have to worry about the 180 on that, but, um, and, and, you know, it, it, you'll get him in the building and what does Kellen Moore want to do at that particular coaching position? Maybe he's got a guy in mind, maybe he doesn't. And, you know, maybe similar to what happened in the transition from Doug to, to Nick happens again. Um, but it's a good sign, I would say. Aaron's one of those guys who I assumed wouldn't be back. So the fact that he's still in the mix, I think, is positive for him. All right. So with uh, Carl Scott seemingly not coming, other names have emerged. And not surprising, they're guys who have connections to the new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. Um, Joe Casper, who was on Joe staff was here, yeah. this Joe last here. year for the Dolphins, but previously had been here with the Eagles, yeah, as a quality control guy. And uh, you know what name kind of surprised me? I saw, I think it was on uh, Bleeding Green Nation, that they uh, speculated that Ed Donatel, who has ties to Vic Fangio, but from uh, years ago, uh, was with the Vikings this past year. Um, uh, I'm not sure exactly who's been in the league longer, Vic or Ed Donatel. Uh, they both boy, been around boy, for that, decades. I'll tell you, man. Ed Donatel gave Sean Desai a, a run for the worst Spangio defense of all time. Um, I I I heard more of his son. Uh, I haven't heard Ed, um, but Ed's very close to Vic, so it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I'm sure he's a good coach. He's been around, as you mentioned, he's been around for ever. Um, and he's been a, a coordinator in many places. Uh, but boy, his 20, I guess it was 2022 Vikings defense. They gave a run to Sean Desai. They were a bad group. Um, and Brian Flores turned it around with probably less talent <laughs> somehow uh, just by using different, schemes and uh different 
different way of doing things. So wouldn't excite me personally, but when it comes to technique and if you put him in a, a, a lesser position, uh, I'm sure he's tremendous at that kind of stuff. Um, and, and like I said, his son uh, as well, uh, a lot of nepotism in the NFL, let's be honest. Um, Steve Donatel, um, who knows? But, you know, the names I've heard are Casper um, and, and Nussmeyer. I, I would be shocked if Nussmeyer's not the quarterback coach um, and, and Joe Casper. And it's interesting because, you know, the way Vic set it up last year in Miami, he had a, a, a passing game court, defensive passing game coordinator and secondary coach. By the way, that's Ronaldo Hill. That's another guy. Right. Chris Shula might be weighing whether they want to keep him because Miami named Chris Shula as the uh, defensive coordinator. Um, and he could be in the mix for that role, I would think, here. He had a cornerbacks pass game specialist, which was Sam Madison in Miami. Haven't heard any inkling of him yet. And he had a safeties coach, which is Joe Casper. So that leads you to believe that – and he also had an assistant DB coach. So he'll probably set it up similarly here. Um, so you might have those three different roles. And, um, yeah, if Miami doesn't want him, I would say the Eagles already have history with him. Uh, that's a pretty good – and in big like them, uh, Joe Casper is probably going to be here unless Chris Shula all of a sudden wakes up and says, I got to have Joe Casper. And the, the Shulas have become prominent because another Shula got the defensive coordinator position out in L.A. yesterday. Uh guy's been with uh, McVeigh forever. He's worked his way up there defensive. Thing. Yeah, I can't keep those Shulas straight. It, same it's here. I get, I get, I'm sorry. I, get, I, get, I know God. Don yeah, and, and his uh, offspring. Well, That's I just I talked do. about with the Donatels. There's a lot of there's a lot of nepotism in the NFL when it comes to coaching. Um, but yeah, uh, Chris is the Miami defensive coordinator, so I did get that one right. So at least I got that right. And he's, you know, I mean, there is something to say for being the grandson of Don Shula, and I think Mike is his uncle. You know, he's been in Alabama. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I get I don't confused. Know. But but a Shula hire in Miami is usually a good thing. We'll leave it at that. We'll see how uh, Chris does filling in for Vic uh, Fangio taking over as the new defensive coordinator. All right, Johnny Mack, did you watch any exciting Pro Bowl skills competition last night? Well, I didn't. Th I don't think there was any exciting Pro Bowl skills competition, so I don't think you could have watched. Is exciting is in the eye of Pro the Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I did not. I freely admit I don't. I don't watch that nonsense. Um, you know, it's funny. I I probably told you the story before. When I was growing up, I loved All Star games. Loved them. I mean, loved the baseball All Star game, the NBA All Star game. Uh, those two, particularly, uh, and. Even back then, when I loved them as a kid, and I think it, I had an epiphany, and I said, why do I hate? I hate all-star games now. I hate the baseball all-star game. I hate the basketball. I hate them all. And I, I'm like, why? Am I that cynical? of it? And I and I said, no, they're for kids. That's why kids like them. And adults are like, what the? why are we wasting our time with this nonsense? Um, it, it, but the... It, 
point I'm getting to, even back then, I was like, Ugh, football, all-star game, Pro Bowl, stinks. I don't, I don't think the game itself is transitions to an all-star format because it's too physical. You can get hurt. Yep. So I'm glad they scrapped the game. Uh, I think they should scrap the whole thing and just keep the honor because the honor is meaningful for the players. It is. But then when you start getting into the fifth alternates, the fourth alternate, Gardner Minshew, I love Gardner, but come on. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. No, he's not. Um, and and you don't even have a game, and they're still doing that. It's like, just, just be done with it. Just name the Pro Bowl players, give them the honor, and tip your cap and say, all right, we're done. Let's go on to the Super Bowl. What, what Gardner did was outperform Jalen Hurts in this throwing competition that they had last night not good Jalen wasn't good and yes I did watch it because it was on and that's the only reason I watched it uh my girls took me out for a birthday dinner last night uh there's a good spot we go to over here in South Jersey I didn't even know it was your birthday what the hell happy belated birthday yeah when, when... Tuesday was my birthday right. I, had to, I had to work Tuesday but way so belated way my, belated. my daughter came over for a Thursday night she knows I like to go out for Quizzo on Thursday night. We got a good spot where they do Quizzo on Thursday nights, a uh, good sports bar, and they had it on a bunch of the TVs in this place. So, yeah, I did watch some. And by the way, uh, on Quizzo, won the sports round. And that's the only reason they bring me along is because one of them have seven sports categories, round. Yeah. 10 questions apiece, sports round. We doubled up. We uh, hit the sports round. So they give you a $15 gift card. Bring in the ringer for the sports round. Enjoyed your bill. I, and and we, it's me, my wife, and my daughter. There are other tables that have teams of 10. That This is like serious competition. They try and win. And if you win, I think you get a seventy-five dollar gift card. That's not. That's not nothing. No, it really is. It's fun. It's competition. They people keep an eye on each other. I'm surprised Nick Sirianni's not at one of those tables trying to compete. If Nick wants to come join our team, we're allowed to add because we only got three. And like I said, some some tables were ten full. And put your phone down. People trying to cheat and everything. It's just a goof, and we have a great time with it. And yes, we got lucky and won this sports round last night. Um, I'll give you the question that I got wrong. Shame on me. What two NFL teams have lost the most Super Bowls? And the guy who does the quiz always good. He had Valentine's heart questions last night with it being Valentine week coming up bah, 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 and Super Bowl. You had a good Super Bowl question. What teams have lost the most Super Bowls? Buffalo, Minnesota. That's what I said. Damn it. Right off the top of my head, I go, they're all for four. And it's not, if he had said, without winning, would have been right. Would have been oh, easy. Oh, who lost more than four? Um, um, man. I get him one. And, and as soon as you said, I said, oh, shoot, that's right. The Broncos. Oh, uh, yeah. I think well, they one did, yeah, one and one and wow. Yeah. And well, you don't think of that. Yeah. You need to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would have been the same way, Buffalo, Minnesota. Yeah, John Elway, yeah, lost a bunch before. Yeah, I would did. say John Elway lost Super Bowls when he was great, and he won Super Bowls at the end of his career. And every, you know, it was really Terrell Davis. That's all, and that's all anybody remembers yeah, the fact yeah. that he won a couple with Terrell running wild. Um, yeah. but for the Broncos, and it was, was it the Dolphins? 
uh, but it was two teams, uh, neither of which was Minnesota and Buffalo, because those yeah. are my first two thoughts. They shut you up, yeah. Oh, I, I four is over four, and that's that's exactly where my mind went. Your mind went, but we did uh, still pull it out and got the, the the sports section. So had a good time last night. They had the Pro Bowl stuff on. Jalen was bad. You know, they got the moving so, targets, and you got to throw it down. Blame, the the blame Alex Tanny. Blame Alex Tanny. Yeah, put it on Alex Tanny if need be, but Gardner Minshew is better than him, and uh, Baker Mayfield won. They tally up points. They started on Thursday. They finish it on Sunday. AFC, NFC wins. And, hey, if your conference wins and you're on that squad, 80 grand, it's kind of like that $15 well, off my check. Yeah. It's not nothing. To some of these guys, it's tip money. Well, if you're like, yeah, significant. If you're like Jason Kelsey, you also get to take your kids to Disney World. Um, so you know that works out too. It's in Orlando. Um, I get, you know, I guess it's and, fun for the fans there that get to meet some of the players, get to be up close to some of the players. I, I guess it can be fun, but as a TV vehicle, oof. Yeah, and I, I I'm I'm guessing that um, they tell the players ahead of time like this week, Hertz and Slay were named this week because yeah. they needed to find out what teams made the Super Bowl and then those Pro Bowl players are excused so they go to the alternates thereafter and damn both the Eagles were ready to show up and and participate except for the fact that Jalen just wasn't good at it and I guess Darius Slay played in the golf competition yeah that tells you. Who should be your Pro Bowl players in the NFL? Who can be the closest to the pin in a golf competition? What is that all about? Uh, but Darius Slay apparently wasn't very good in that either. So it wasn't a great day for the Eagles, J-Mac, oh, that uh, made the Pro Bowl, get that acknowledgement, get that honor, but the competition in that so I, good. I, I, I was hoping they could stop the slide at the Pro Bowl games. No, it, they are, they are they still continue. very much. Uh, they continue. Nick and his new CEO role was not down there to uh, lift the players to be able to stop the slide that they're in. But uh, yeah, if you uh, Pro Bowl, we'll ask Damo if he was tuned to and did not touch the remote during the all important Pro Bowl activity challenges last night. Paul Damo, which is going to join us first, we'll ask him a bunch of Eagle stuff. Now, Damo, uh, see, we had uh, Clark Judge on the other day. And we just asked Hall of Fame, Fame voter type yeah. questions. Hall of Fame voters and the history of the uh, league. Selector. Hall of Fame selector. selector yeah. right? yeah. Um, yeah. And he didn't even blanch. So I texted him. I said, you're going to come on Friday, usual spot. Got a lot of Eagle stuff. Probably a Hall of Fame question or two. And he said, yeah, Jody, I can't talk Hall of Fame. I said, why not? He said, we've already had the meeting earlier than usual and we're sworn to secrecy until after they make the announcement. So we can ask Damo a question about the Hall of Fame in general, but he can't really give us any specifics because they've already had the meeting. So, And I didn't know that that was the case. I'm, uh, surprised, we'll, I'm surprised they don't sequester those guys completely, force Damo to be shut in. They, uh, if, if they did, they would also have to sequester uh, Damo's uh, sartorial spray. Uh, you don't want to do that. I, I, you don't. You want to. You want to get those shirts out front and center. You don't want to be hiding those. Shirts. I want to know. I'm, I want to know one thing. Generalized. Damo's in there, so get ready for it, Damo. Do you guys know in advance who made it? I, I, I know you can't talk about the conversations, but we'll, we'll bring them on. I, I, I'm, I, I assume they leave them blind as far as 
who does it, but maybe maybe you can just add it up. I don't know how it works. Uh, oh, maybe well. they do know. Well, I'm I'm sure Dhamma will tell us what he can tell us, and what he can't tell us, so they'll go. Sorry, can't tell you. See you. Uh, he's McBallin. I'm the first. Wouldn't be the first. Exactly right. He's Paul Donwich. He joins us next. McMullen, McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a, a good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mac and Mac here with you on Bridge 365. We got our usual Friday contributor. That would be Paul Domwich from both JacobSports.com, 33rd team as well. Just a quick side note, and I had to cheat and look this up, which you can't do while you're playing quiz, or you can't cheat, but you can look it up afterwards. 
Uh, the other stop people from cheating. Everybody's got a phone. Uh, the, 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 the guy is a taskmaster. The guy who runs no. Quizzo. He's All a right. good dude, too. Jimmy's great. Um, the team that has lost the most Super Bowls tied with the Denver Broncos is the team that's won the most Super Bowls. That would be the New England Patriots. They are six and five in the big game. They've got them tied for the most wins and tied for the most losses as well. Jeez, 11 uh, Super Bowls. Ugh. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, and the Steelers have been to 11 as well. But the Steelers and the Patriots aren't in it this year. The 49ers and the Chiefs are. We'll start there, Damo. Who's winning the Super Bowl next week? Uh, I'm going to hold off on that till next week. <laughs> He's not going to tell us squat no. today. He's not making his Super Bowl pick. He's not going to tell us all the pain. You got opinions on the coaching changes the Eagles made? Or can we yeah. wrap this bad boy up right now? <laughs> no, I like both of the hires. You know, I mean, they screwed it up badly uh, offensively because, you know, the change, you know, Nick talked at his press conference uh, at the press conference about, you know, they needing to make changes and fresh ideas. They needed to make changes and fresh ideas last February. Uh, and he thought, you know, he was, he was too arrogant. He thought no matter what defenses did to adjust, they had all the answers that they didn't have to do much tweaking to their offense. And he was wrong. Uh, and it came back to bite him. Uh, you know, now too little, too late. They found a scapegoat in Brian Johnson, but they hired a good guy in, in Kellen Moore, who I think is going to change this offense. It's going to be more inventive and creative, more motion, more under center. Um, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch, and I think it'll be pretty good. You know, defensively, I mean, Vic Fangio is as good as they come. It's just that he's got his work cut out for him. I mean, they've got yeah, so much personnel, so many yeah. personnel issues that they've got to deal with. But if you look at his history – by the second or third year and you know, you, well, San Francisco, he turned, you know, I mean, they were good as soon as he became defensive coordinator, but you look at Chicago, you look at Denver by the second or third year there, they were one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. It helps when you get Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, people forget how good. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so that, and hopefully he can build on that foundation. I think the guys are Carter and Davis. You got to build on them. Yeah. You got to build on those two particular players and get them up to, speed from a conditioning standpoint, all that kind of stuff. And we'll see how it shakes out. But you're right. I mean, Kellen's got better personnel coming in than Vic. So it's going to be interesting. But from the standpoint of you're saying, and maybe you're right, maybe Nick was a little bit uh, uh, arrogant, uh, uh, thinking he could just move along seamlessly from two pretty good coordinators. Uh, Jody and I talked about that a lot. People were overlooking that saying, eh, no big deal. I was like, it's probably going to be a big deal at some point. And the reason I said that Domo was because young coaches, first time coordinators in the case of Sean, he had one year experience, still very young. They have growing pains. Why didn't anybody figure that? Why didn't Jeffrey Lurie figure this out? Why didn't Howie Roseman figure this out and say, you can go one of two ways. You can say, all right, if we go with these guys, we're going to have some growing pains. We have to have some patience. Yeah. Or if you say, nope, we got to get back to the Super Bowl, got to get better in guys. Now, they wanted Bick, but the timing didn't work out. So that's half of it. But how do you explain that part of it from Howie and Jeffrey's perspective? Well, I think you're right. They wanted Vic. Uh, they ended up, you know, their season ended up going too long from that standpoint. And Vic was, you know, committed to Miami. So they decided, you know, I think they talked to Vic. I think they said, we're going to get mini Vic. 
Yeah, they but did. Guys, That's a lot of the reasons why Sean was here, because Vic yeah. said, hey, go get Sean. Yeah. And I think they felt he was had enough experience and everything to uh, – and you know what? I mean, I mean, the, the biggest mistake there was not so much hiring Sean. I mean, because – you know, I mean, he had, you know, he had to deal with personnel di issues as well. I mean, the biggest oh, catastrophe yeah. was changing, was firing him in midstream and, and putting Matt Patricia in charge. I mean, that just, that was just the absolute in stupidity. Uh, I don't know. They panicked. I don't know who panicked because nobody will ever be honest with us. I can't yeah. believe that was strictly a Nick call, uh, but that's the story they're selling right now. So I guess we got to buy it. Yeah, uh, I've said this a couple times since I had their uh, uh, meeting with the press last week. He made me believe. I, from the minute it happened, I said, "Oh man, they're pulling uh, the marionette string on uh, Sirianni to get this done." He sold me the other day, and yeah, maybe he got very good at lying this offseason. <laughs> past season, I think we got a lot of practice. That yes, uh, but he he did make me believe that it was his decision, and that goes back to. That's a fireable offense. If you make that call in season, put your neck on the line, and you fail as badly as Ian Patricia failed, yeah, you're gone. Yet they somehow decided to keep him and change everybody else. It doesn't seem to add up. And here's the other one, Damo, that I, I probably – I don't want to say by myself, but uh, very few people on, on the island I'm on. <laughs> I think Brian Johnson stunk, plain and simple, real easy. He wasn't good at his job. We heard of all oh, the good relationship and he's no uh, quarterback since he was in short pants and everything. I don't care. What were the results? How did it work? It didn't. He wasn't good at it. You don't know. I don't know. John doesn't know. Only Nick and uh, Brian know when they're on the headsets during the game, if Nick was actually uh, telling them what to call, whatever. But their play calling was bad. They, my opinion, again, that not everybody shares, I think they put way too much on Jalen's plate. And, oh, by the way, Johnson threw him under the bus not one week, two weeks in a row when they asked about running the football more. And he goes, you realize every time we go to the line of scrimmage, there's a run option, there's a, play, a pass option. And Jalen decides as per what the defense looks like, which is the better particular one. And then that's the one he calls out. I know he was almost the MVP last year, but he's still a relatively young quarterback. You want him making every single call, every single play? That's what Johnson sounded it like. Sounded like that's where I think your arrogance comes in. That he just thought because Jalen had this unbelievable year last year, and he was like this with Brian Johnson. Oh, those two guys will be great together. They weren't. Do you think it was fair for Johnson to pay for it with his job? Well, no, no, I don't. But yeah, I don't. here's see. I mean, this is the way I look at it, Jody. Um, I mean, he was working under the constraints of Nick's offense. Uh, you know, people adapted to Nick's offense. He still had to run it. He still had to figure out how to beat teams with it. Their RPO game stunk this year. I mean, they they averaged last year, uh, I believe, eight point something uh, per RPO. This year, it was it was half that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he made mistakes. I mean, the biggest mistake. The biggest problem I have with Brian this had with Brian this year is I never expected his relationship to with with, with Jalen to evolve the way it did. I thought that the, their familiarity with, with each other would would help make the change from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator pretty smooth 
and and it would work well. They'd be they'd be in sync with each other. That didn't happen. Uh, you know, going quarterback coach is basically a you know to simplify it a buddy for a quarterback. I mean, works on his mechanics with him, pats him on the back, does all that kind of stuff. We saw that. You know, with with Doug's guy when uh, uh, press, yeah, but not John. John was the kick in the ass guy, right? Uh, John. I'm not saying Jalen needed a kick in the ass, but you know, we saw him this year. They weren't on the same page. Uh, he he seemed to ignore Brian a few, t- you know, several times when he when, when he would you know go on his own out there, <laughs> uh, go rogue. Uh, so that's where I fault Brian. But again, I I get back to the fact that this was Nick's offense. Nick's offense needed to be changed. He didn't adapt. And, I mean, Brian was left calling plays with it, uh, and it didn't work. I mean, So, it- so let, me, let me follow up with this, and I know it's a hypothetical. You know, I love my hypotheticals. Um, if Shane Steichen had not gotten the Colts job and he was still here calling plays, do you think we would have seen the same regression of the Eagles offense because the league had figured it out? I think Shane would have uh, adapted a little bit more. He would have had the freedom – to uh, tell Nick, hey, Nick, we got to do some different things. And Nick would have said, okay. But, I mean, Brian was in a situation where I don't think he kind of had that flexibility. I mean, he had to basically say, yes, boss. Um, I mean, that's, that's my perception of it. I'm not saying he's, he's totally free from blame. I just don't think he should have been fired. The fact that he was, at least they hired a guy that I think is going to be successful here in Kellen Moore. Um, yeah. And I'll just say as far as killing from run the pass, I mean, every quarterback does that. That's the modern NFL. You can go or vice versa. That, that part is just that, that everybody's got that autonomy and maybe a couple of rookies or maybe they don't go that far, but any veteran quarterback. Now the other stuff evolved a little bit. We talked about the AJ play in Seattle, you know, Jalen had more on his plate to be able to change things like that. And that's about execution. I mean, that's not a bad decision if they executed properly. Uh, you got to look the safety off, but you didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, you got to you gotta throw a nice ball to A.J. Brown to give him a shot on a 50-50 ball and maybe comes down with it. He's the best contested catch receiver in football. So it's not even a bad decision necessarily. It's just a bad throw. Um, probably at a bad time because, you know, if you want to go try to kick the field goal, but they're mm-hmm. trying to win the game. And I, I always joke, Seattle won the game on the same concept. Drew Locke executed. That was the difference. But as far as killing from run to pass, that's not, that's simple stuff. That's yeah. not, that's not too much on your plates. Jalen, Jalen did. Would you say Jalen was good at it this year? Killing Jaylen, from run to pass? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he was fine. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't. I, All that is is counting up the, the results, box. I'm not saying they were fine. They were. The Eagles' offense went backwards this year. Well, it went backwards because they were top three. They ended up top ten. I mean, they still ran the ball effectively as a whole. Um, all it is is counting numbers. Oh, there's an extra guy in the box. Let's kill. I mean, that's all it is. It's a math equation. So if he can't, by the way, if he can't handle that, somebody should try to take the $255 million check back if they can, because if he can't, can't handle that, he's screwed. I'm not going to go that far. Jalen just didn't play as well this season. His decision-making wasn't as sharp. 
Uh, he became fixated with the deep ball, and 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 teams took it away from him. I mean, there were he was three for nineteen on deep balls in the last in in that six game collapse. Yeah, um, you know, but he started playing cover too, and they were like trying to make make big plays down the field. Yeah, which is but, four quarters. Yeah. You know, he 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 just. I mean, he's he's going to have to change his approach. I think Kellen Moore will will, will make him more willing to take. Uh, checkdowns. They've got, you know, certainly they're going to be better at the the blitz than they were in those six last six games when they didn't seem to have an answer for anything. Uh, you know, you're going to see sight adjustments with more. You're going to see, you know, willingness to dump it off to uh, whomever the running backs are next year. Um, you know, things like that. I mean, I, it's going to be interesting. I uh, I hope everybody understands this question when I ask it, and I'm not trying to be obnoxious. Some people suggested that Tim McManus's question for Nick was obnoxious when he asked him, and what are you going to be doing since you're not calling plays? I'm not going down the route of he'll be giving out the orange slices at halftime. But um, that's a that's an important job. I know it is. Um, how is that relationship going to work between he and Moore? Moore's coming in with a pretty good power base. He knows he had the conversations with Howie and with Jeffrey, and he knows how much of this offense is his. It's supposedly going to be a mesh of the former Eagle offense with the new fresh ideas that Kellen Moore is going to bring to the table. But at some point you get to the cutting stage and it's one guy's word over the other's. Is it going to be the offensive coordinator or is it going to be the head coach? Uh, I'm sure he's going to work hard to keep everybody happy on both sides. They're going to try and make this work, but there's going to come a point when they're disagreeing and the like. Who's going to win that battle? I think to start, he's basically going to say, it's your show, Kellen. Uh, You know, I mean, they're going to, you know, they've got how much, six months now to get to know each other, to for Nick to get uh, more familiar with what Kellen wants to do. Um, but I mean, I think initially, I mean, he, he's going to be a CEO coach and, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, there are a lot of successful CEO coaches in the mm-hmm. league. Uh, you know, so, I mean, this isn't a guy who's been, I mean, he has, he, he's not going to be doing what he likes doing best, which is running the offense. Uh, but it gives it gives a coach a chance to, 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 you know, to, to look at the big picture, to uh, be more aware of game management, uh, on both sides of the ball things like that. Uh, so, I mean, I like the move, especially since he ended up with two outstanding coordinators, uh, you know, and I, but, but I mean, clearly they said, let's, we're going to go in a different direction offensively, a different scheme, a different philosophy, just back off, let Kellen do it. But I think, you know, if, if you're the head coach, you're still going to have final say, he's going to see, he's going to see what, how things go with, with Kellen calling everything uh, initially. What what am I missing here, Damo? When the Eagles are trying to spin this as Nick is all of a sudden the CEO coach, he already was a CEO coach. The difference to me is he was a CEO coach the minute he gave up play calling to Shane in year one. But the difference to me is he had autonomy, like he was, say, right. John Harbaugh. Now he's been told, oh, no, no, no. And to me, you look like Jason Garrett now. And you're basically, um, you can say, um, all right, I want to do things this way, but the owners decreed you can't go do things this way. So can that work? We're going to find out. (laughs) I mean, his job depends on it working. So, 
Uh, you know, he's going to bend over backwards to make it work. Um, you know, I, he's going to be less in, directly involved, even if he's, you know, he didn't call the plays with Shane or Brian. Uh, he certainly was, was on the headset, was, had some input, uh, made some changes probably. Uh, there's going to be less of that this year. Um, you know, I, I can't. I love the part where he said, well, you know, I might be sitting in on more defense. Yeah, right. You sounded like a retired guy, Domo. <laughs> now, you're, you, you, you retired, but you didn't really retire. That's like Nick. Nick's like, well, maybe I'll go to the park. Maybe I'll – that's like you're saying. You're sitting there with your wife. What are you going to do today? Well, maybe I'll go to the park. Maybe I'll sit in a defensive meeting. That's what I thought about. But the minute it happened. And then when Vic tells him to get the F out of the room. Uh... Yeah. I'll see how that goes. I like Vic. Maybe I'll go to a defensive meeting. Um, <laughs> He'll get shushed in the defensive meeting. That That's probably not going to fly. Um, ha, when they get to the uh, opening of camp and they've got two no coordinators and uh, there's going to be a lot of change with the Eagles this year because of that and good on them because I thought it was necessary. Is the Eagle philosophy of less is more going to play the same this year as it has the last several years, certainly the Sirianni-Roseman combo, or is Vic Fangio going to go, wait a minute, we're done? What do you mean we're done? We've only been practicing for four. Get the hell back out there on the field. How is the Eagles' overall standard of less is more from an injury protection uh, situation going to play with Vic Fangio as their D.C.? I think it's going to change a little bit. Maybe a lot. Uh, I mean, first of all, I mean, offensively, well, offensively and defensively, they're learning new schemes, uh, which is going to involve more offseason work. Um, so there's that. You know, the, we all know that how bad the tackling was this year, which is a it seems to be an indictment of the fact that they did so little contact work. Uh, you know, I don't know how much. I mean, you're limited on what you can do. But I think I think what we're going to see the biggest difference we're going to see this year is we get to the to the uh, preseason games. You're not going to see that all the starters sitting on the bench. First of all, defensively, we may not even know who half the starters are since they're going to have to win jobs. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think that's you know we're going to see them get more work during training camp and the preseason than they have in the past with less of a. There's going to be more of a risk that okay somebody gets hurt, somebody gets hurt. We got to have these guys prepared to play week one rather than just prepared to be, you know, healthy on week one. Um, to to further uh, the big Pangio talk, uh, Damo, everybody loves him there. Jeffrey loves him. Howie loves him. Nick loves him. Um, is he loved enough to get Howie's ear and say, look, dude, I need some linebackers. I need some safeties to produce at the level you want me to produce at. Um, because that that's what was wrong with the Eagles defense. And, and I, you know, Denard Wilson uh, got a congratulations to Denard. He's a defensive coordinator in Tennessee. He probably didn't think it at the time, but the best thing that happened to him was the Eagles passed him over because <laughs> They might have been a little bit better with Denard Wilson, but they didn't have the personnel. And Vic would have been out there, and they would have said, you know what, we're going to go get Vic. So I think it worked out long-term for Denard. Good luck. Um, but with Vic Fangio, can he have the kind of gravitas to say, 
I know you don't value it, but I need a damn linebacker. I think so. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think Howie is going to change his <clears throat> structure as far as the money he spends on linebackers, maybe a little bit, <clears throat> but I think it'll be higher on the priority list where, you know, I, I mean, they did draft uh, Dean in the, what, third round? Third round, third Just, round yeah. You know, he spent last season hurt. You know, they did spend a third round pick a few years ago on Davion Taylor, and he just turned out to be the a complete mistake. Uh, so, you know, it's not like they've ignored the position. That's the way how he wants to build linebacker through the draft. He just doesn't know how to do it because he can't seem to 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 make the right decisions. Uh, but I don't I don't think Vic would have come here unless he had some guarantee that that, that they were going to improve the situation at linebacker because of the importance it, of it in his defense. Understood. Uh, I hope that Vic has enough sway to maybe move Howie a little bit. Uh, do I think they're going to be taking a linebacker in the first round in this upcoming draft? No. Dude, that, that, that's not going to be happening. Um, Damo, are the Eagles screwed in the NFC East? If, if we find out that Chip Kelly is the new offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, they hired Dan Quinn yesterday. There's already rumors about he could have some interest in Chip Kelly. Apparently, Chip also spoke to the Raiders, but they went with Cliff Kingsbury as their new offensive coordinator. So if Chip wants to get the hell out of college football, John's been talking about it for a week or two now. Nobody wants to be in college anymore because the transfer portal makes your life a living hell. You got to recruit a whole new team every single every year. year. So yeah. they're they're all abandoning ship in the uh, college football ranks. Chip Kelly brings his magic to Washington. How will the Eagles handle that if that happens? <laughs> That'd be fun, by the it way. Would. I hope that happens. I, it I, would I, be. Yeah. yeah, I would like to see. You know, if, if he has the tools to see that offense and, you know, the adjustments he's made since his last go around in the NFL to see how successful it could be. Uh, but, it, it, you know, in you're right. I've been saying for the last two, three years since Neil came about uh, and, and then the transfer portal, you're gonna, just going to see it. all these guys wanting to get out of the uh, – Yeah, college. man. The Boston College coach took yeah. the uh, Green Bay D.C. job. Chip's looking to get out. Yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of those guys. Um, but there's only a finite amount of jobs, so it's going to be difficult. Yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be uh, tough. to. they got to recruit a guy four times, that basically, uh, yeah. which is and, – and there was the quotes um, – I forget Pete Thamel got it from um, a source when when the BC coach took the Green Bay job. He's like, there's no time to coach. All you're doing is recruiting and trying to get NIL money lined up, and there's and, no and time Chip, to coach. Chip took the uh, the Eagles job in 2013 because he didn't like to recruit. Yeah. And yeah. that was before, before yeah. all the crazy Yeah, years. he never wanted to go back to college for people like that. There was all that talk right away, Damo, that – Oh, he's going to go back to college. No, he didn't want to go back to college. He was like, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Um, you know, at least it's only football at the NFL level. But yeah, yeah, I think Chip in Washington would be tremendously fun. I really yeah. do. Yeah. 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 All right. Hall of Fame. I know you can't talk about it, but I want to know do you know? How does this work? Do you know right now? Does Paul Domowich know who's in the Hall of Fame? Or is that a blind vote when you get down to that final selection? No, we know. Okay. All right. That's it. All right. 
that for my I, edification. I credit, I credit Jim Porter, who's been the uh, executive director of the Hall of Fame for the last three years. Uh, I was never a big David Baker fan. Uh, Jim Porter, he, he's a former newspaper guy, and he <laughs> trusts the people in the room to keep a secret. Uh, sometimes. So was it always that way, or has it changed? Um, well, until COVID, um, you know, we voted. We we met. Oh, uh, the day, yeah, the day Saturday yeah. before the Super Bowl yeah. in the city of the Super Bowl, and so it was like by five o'clock. Uh, yeah. I mean, we still had to keep it. We had to keep it a secret for like forty-five minutes until they <laughs> have a show uh, that night. Uh, yeah, but they wanted it change. I mean, COVID changed it. We we started. We we, we the last. This year was supposed to be in person uh, in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. The weather wreaked havoc on that plan. Uh, and so they had to cancel the in-person and we did it uh, on Zoom for the fourth straight year, I guess. Um, you know, talked for nine hours, I want to say. I mean, it was thorough. I'd rather, you know, we all would rather do it in person. Uh, it's better. You're looking, you're looking people in the eye instead of at a screen like like this. Um, but that's the reality of it. But the, you know, I credit them with two things, having the trust in us to keep it a secret. You know, the other thing is they didn't like the old, uh, the, the, he, Jim Porter did not like the old system, which they used for years where, you know, we would vote on Saturday, theoretically, all of the nominees, the 15 modern era candidates and the, the seniors and the co contributors were in a hotel there in the same hotel we were yeah. waiting for the knock on the knock door. on the door. Yeah. Well, David seemed to enjoy that. The if, David if, Baker. If, if that. you did not, if you were one of the people not getting the knock on the door, it was just, it was, it was, it was torture. It was, yeah. and it wasn't yeah. fair. It was, I mean, like you're watching them knock on the guy, the door next to you and the guy's getting the news and you're just like, I mean, it was just, it's just a bad, it was a bad setup, but they had it for years. Yeah, this year made, made for good video for whoever got in. Yeah, but you're right. Completely disparage whoever doesn't get in. Uh, this, if they, this year they changed it. This year we voted two weeks ago. I I believe sometime uh, in the last week or so they they went. You know they do that if you have seen the show they do uh, last year and the year before they they do surprise visits to the homes of the people that made it. Uh, knock on their door and, you know, and then right the, the next day after they do all of that, um, they tell the people that didn't make it. So, you know, that's where, you know, that's how it stands. Uh, everybody, you know, knows, uh, but they would like it to be, you know, kept a secret until next Thursday when they have the NFL honors show and they make the announcement then. Yeah. Then yeah. I got to give a lot, a lot of people credit here. How many guys, you're one of how many selectors, Donald? 49. 49. 49. Plus those who got the good news on a visit and those who got the bad news on a visit. And not a word is leaked. Damn, you wow. guys are good. I, in, in today's world, in the, the information broker age that we're in, with guys whose job, very highly paid jobs, to find this stuff out, to think that not one leak has happened so far. That's pretty damn impressive. I think there were a couple last year. Uh, I don't I'm going to leak uh, Julius Peppers is in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that's just uh, 
that, going out a, on a limb there, huh, Johnny yeah, Mac? Going out on a limb. Going out, <laughs> going I mean, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think last year a couple of the guys that were either made it or didn't make it let it slip after Yeah, the- I, I would say that you guys, it's not a problem. That the actual people to get in, yeah, maybe yeah. they get excited and text a few people and or you know i mean they're dot you know they're they're 11 year old yeah. daughters in the room and next thing you know she's putting it on social media yeah exactly they're, they're just trying to you know they just want to keep it as confidential for as long as they can as possible to add a little bit of uh i guess intrigue to the show on thursday yeah. now dama do you know because there is an actual uh jump around hands up vote or after the vote's over do they release a list to you guys just so you know in case you hadn't figured it out as the vote winning here's the way the results actually played out it's been a gradual process uh i think three years ago the first year that we did this by remote uh ahead of time uh we did not know beyond the reduction from 15 to 10 uh who made it because they had us vote again with the 10 even when we were only voting for five we voted yes or no on 10 instead of five uh so that year we had you know no idea uh since then they have come to trust us and we know right down to you know we we know they give you an actual list well then and you guys again i'm giving you credit because i I can't believe that at least one leak hasn't sprung so far. That's uh, you guys take your job very seriously and uh, give you credit for it. And uh, we're not going to beat it out of here on Birds 365. We're not even going to try it. We know better than that. You know, uh, That's because we trust you, Dama. We trust you at P Damo on X slash Twitter. Uh, 33rd team, jacobsports.com in season uh, per stat package. Um all right, I guess we'll end it back on the Eagles. Um, the coaching staff, it, it's gone kind of slow. You know, back in the old days, the Senior Bowl would be sort of an assistant coach convention. Um, you'd hire guys down there. Um, to my knowledge, Howie and Nick weren't even down there. I saw Dom down there, which you would think one of them would be down there, but nobody's seen them. <laughs> if they're not going to be at practice, what's the point? Yeah. Um does it surprise you that coaching staffs are taking as long uh, or it's seemingly taking as long? A little bit, but, you know, I, w- I wonder too, though, how, you know, we talked about guys going from college to pros, you know, maybe some deep, you know, some college defensive and offensive yeah, coordinators yeah. Are, are, are considering taking position jobs in the NFL now uh, because they don't want to deal with, you know, the, the, the whole college situation and they have no aspirations to be head coach in college anymore because of, uh, you know, the craziness. So, I mean, that could be it. Um, you know, maybe there are a lot of people, uh, I mean, cause obviously, uh, you can't, people can't make lateral moves without permission from yeah uh, their team. So it's not like people are, if you've already hired your coordinators, it's not like you're waiting for the, uh, uh, you know, for the Super Bowl. So I don't know. Um, obviously there are a lot of, uh, options out there, like for that the Eagles feel they don't have to hurry this. So, and Don, the last thing, and since it plays off the question that John asked, um, and I know you're an NFL guy, but you follow the college game closely enough. Did college football screw itself over by making the transfer portal as easily accessible as it is? 
I'm usually a player empowerment guy, and I want the players to be able to uh, use their lever and have as much as they could possibly have as far as determining their future and where they want to be in their life. But some of these guys have basically become professionals already. Uh, they're getting an extra 100000 in NIL. Bob jumped to another team, and they played for four. Uh, what was oh, uh, the, the East-West Shrine game? Kevon Slovis. I remember a couple of years ago, one of my draft guys trying to talk me into he's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. Yeah, when he was uh, in Southern California. Yeah, how many right. how many schools is he at now? Three. He's uh, finished up his BYU. How about I the think, former I think his eighth kid. year in college football. And I know COVID kind of gave everybody next year or whatever. But it's college football. like My guy, trip. my guy DJ, you say his name. Jody can say his name. I can't Uyunglele. say Yeah, thank you. Gesundheit, thank you. Uh, what he, he transferred again? Yeah, that he, uh, it, it's unbelievable. He was at Clemson. He was at where is he? Oregon, Oregon State. State. Now he's going to Florida State. I think uh, it's unbelievable. Sam Hartman, the Notre Dame quarterback, looked like he was older than three quarters <laughs> of the NFL quarterbacks. That guy looks like he's thirty-five years old. He's been playing forever. The only the only beneficiary of this has been uh, Dr. Pepper, which has managed to make a couple great commercials off the transfer portal. Uh, hyster- you know, if you've watched college football games and yes. seen the commercials. But I, I think it's awful. I mean, I think it's yeah, – there's, there's, there's nothing good about this. I, I agree. You know, players have, you know, for years got screwed with regard to not getting a, a penny of help, uh, of being, you know, even if you were – at the bottom of the roster of your of at Notre Dame, you you know you had you couldn't get out and uh, you know so there had to be some flex. I I this is just this is gonna I don't it's not gonna destroy college football. Uh, there's always unintended consequences, yeah. and people are really bad at you know being proactive trying to figure yeah. those out. But uh, and from a scouting standpoint, we were talking about that yesterday, Damo. How how do you see if a guy plays? One year at Clemson and Oregon State and Florida State. How does that weigh? You know, you have different supporting kit. I would think it it's harder to scout the guys as well. Oh yeah, um, with no continuity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also not going to. It's you know, I mean, when these guys, you know, how they uh, introduce themselves at the beginning of games, like you know, when they go through the starting yeah. lineups. That's why uh, Woodland Hills High School. Yeah, <laughs> because you know they they can't name the six schools they played at. <laughs> And I, I asked my buddy Rick Saratella this question the other night. I had him on uh, my CBS show, and I'll ask each of you guys as well because uh, it fits. You're, you're an NFL scout. You're Eagles uh, college scout. And you have two players, and they have exact same grades. One guy played all four years with the same university, and one guy played for four different universities that he just transferred every single year, got a little bit better. There's something to be said for having played in different systems, the ability to, and then there's something to be said for loyalty that when you get him, he's not going to be looking to get out when he becomes a Philadelphia Eagle. If you're going to pick him, what do you mean? I got to stay here. I changed my team four times in the last four years. How do you determine which is more important? The, the experience and the flexibility gained by moving from team to team to team or the loyalty factor. If you had to make that call exact same grade for the same player, to the same position. Which are you taking, Dama? I mean, it would be a negative for me if a guy just kept moving around. Uh, you know, Jalen managed to straddle the line. He, he, you know, he got benched, stayed at a place, stayed at Alabama for a year, you know, there. 
and 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 learn from it and and then went on to you know then finally did transfer to Oklahoma on the I think he was one of those uh, grad uh, graduate uh, yeah grad transfer yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, you know paid off and, and he ended up going the second round but yeah it would be a negative to me with with guy, with all these guys you know if I had a guy that I was scouting and he couldn't seem to want to stay at the same place because you know because the coach slighted him or whatever you know he didn't like the food in the in the dormitory or whatever the hell. Yeah, I'm a loyalty guy, too. Damo, always a pleasure. Thanks. We appreciate you hopping on. Next time we come out and we get you back on, you still can't talk about the Hall of Fame, right? Oh, no, it'll be Friday, so Thursday night is the – so we'll break break it down with you next week if that's okay. Sure. Thanks, Damo. Paul Damowitz right back with us next Friday here on Birds 365. And, yeah, we'll be actually – and he better have a freaking Super Bowl pick for us by then. He's not even going to give us a hint of what he thinks. No. Well, you got to weigh it. Uh, you know, I'm trying to talk myself into San Francisco. That's what I'm trying to. Uh, and I think they have the better team. But, boy, I got burnt last year picking what I thought was the better team. Yeah. We- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill both did um and you continue to believe they were the better team afterwards and i say play the game whoever wins is the better team that's Kansas City chiefs and i think that's the way we're gonna have to look at this year's super bowl team after the game's over and done with they're not close the 49ers and chiefs right now talent wise roster versus roster are that close and i said the same thing about chiefs and eagles the rosters what they had the exact same record the chiefs had to work harder to get to the Super Bowl because the AFC was better than the NFC and the Eagles had two blowouts to get there. So that's why I think the the Vegas line or whatever, people might have overestimated the talent on the Eagle roster. I thought they were that close. Going into the game, they were that close, made the best team win. Kansas City won. They're the best team. I look at this Super Bowl the same exact way. Mm. The rosters are that close. Their accomplishments are that close. Made the best team win, and whoever yeah, won, I, I think it's even more disparaging than last year. I think San Francisco's, if it, it goes down it, I think significantly more talent. But they have more talent at the most important position, obviously, and they have the better coach and one of the greatest coaches of all time. They have a lot of good players, obviously, Kansas City. But you know, you look at the skill positions, not even close. Um, yeah, I. But man, I, I you know. I'm, I I was burnt. It's tough to pick against Patrick Mahomes these days, and I hate the I hate boiling it down to quarterback. But he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and and he's got a lot of football left in him. Where yeah. this is not a swan song for Patrick Mahomes by any stretch of the imagination, and yeah, I've been wise to back him the first two playoff games. I've not made my mind yet up either about the Super Bowl, um, but maybe maybe I'm at this point leaning a little more heavily towards San Francisco's way than you are. All right, coming back, we're uh, going to get John Mishota from The Athletic, the Dallas Cowboy beat writer who've had John on the show many a time uh, leading up to the Cowboys and Eagles matchups. Well, 
This time we're going to talk specifically about the new Eagles offense coordinator. While we got John here, we'll ask him about who the hell's going to replace his boy Dan Quinn since he took the commander's job yesterday and the Cowboys now need themselves a new D.C. Could it be an actual trade? Quinn taking over the commander's head coaching job. Ron Rivera going from Washington down to Dallas. Uh, we're getting Mike Zimmer news too. Mike Zimmer wants back in, in Dallas. That uh, I don't know. Mike's getting up there. Who's 16. older, Zimmer or Fangio? I think Zimmer. You I do? Think Zimmer is yeah. Vic's, okay. Vic just turned senior citizen. I think Mike is is already already getting that check in the mail. Yeah. Okay. I'll double check in the break. Yeah. We'll um, see that. All right, he's McMahon. I'm McDonald. You got Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. 
Got Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. John Mishota from the Athletic Dallas Cowboy Beat Report is going to join us coming up in uh, less than 15 minutes from now. Um, I want to give credit. I think it was Bleeding Green Nation, um, one of the Eagle websites I check every day, had a list of 18 different individuals who were in prominent roles. I don't know if they went all the way down to um, scouting or anything along those lines, but on the NFL level of former Philadelphia Eagles who are now with either the San Francisco 49ers or the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, certainly many more with the Chiefs and the 49ers because of the direct link with Andy Reid and uh, Andy bringing a bunch of guys with him that he had uh, previously uh, in in Philadelphia, um, including himself and Steve Spagnolo, which is uh, having he's having a phenomenal year as their defensive coordinator, and uh, Brett Veach is the general manager. Andy started a relationship with here in Philadelphia, to Kansas City. But the one that interests me the most, Johnny Mac, is Todd Pinkston as the running back coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Pinky. Pinky yeah. is the running back coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. I can guarantee you this. And I'm a big fan of the Kansas City Chiefs running back because he's Jersey tough. Uh, I think I'm Jersey yeah, tough. Yeah, he really runs physically. I, I will say that. Man, I'm does sure. he. And and he could be a key to the game come next Sunday because um, I think we, we're going to talk so much about Patrick Mahomes and you know, I'm going to talk up Brock Purdy and the like. The team that runs the ball the best may end up winning the Super Bowl, and that that may be the Jersey Tough key to the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I can guarantee you this: Todd Pinkston did not run him, uh, teach him how to run the ball tough, because uh, I I've not Ooh, seen Todd on the sideline. Todd. But remember, uh, uh, John, how many calls do we uh, guys streaming in? I don't know about using a first-round pick on uh, Devontae Smith. He's 155-pound sopping wet with a rock in his pocket. Look at those spindly little legs that he has. And we had to put up with that the entire time, and the guy's become a uh, a Pro Bowl-level wide receiver. Pinky was the forerunner for that. He wasn't that much bigger than uh, Devontae Smith. Devontae a little smaller, but Pinky was the same stiff wind comes by, somebody grab a hold because uh, he could get blown away. How did he ever become a running back coach? Well, it's interesting, you know, and you're right. I mean, but Devontae, if you watch him play, he's, you know, incredibly physical for his uh, stature. And he probably... No fear. No fear yeah. on Devontae Smith. He's probably about 10 pounds lighter, if anything, than Pinkston was. He's even smaller. So there's some guys who are just, you know, enjoy the contact, whatever. They're just more physical people. Uh, As far as, you know, Pinkston, I mean, yeah, you don't, you know, the best coaches know everything, right? They don't just, oh, he was a wide receiver, so he's going to be a wide receiver. Um they learn both sides of the ball. They take an initiative. Um, you know, they certainly learn other positions on the same side of the ball. But the interesting thing about Todd Pinkson, I, I didn't know you were going here, but I had looked at it earlier because I knew he got the running back job in Kansas City. 
he hadn't even been a coach. He 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 was a coach in college at Austin P. Like a, 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 a at least five six years ago, and then he stopped, and he got out of coaching, and Andy just brought him back out of nowhere, and made him the running backs coach. But there's an example of Andy Reid, what I was talking about here on a higher level, um, when you're talking about coordinators. If you're a head coach and you're bringing in somebody like Todd Pixton, you know there's going to be some growing pain. So you either grow the coach or you don't grow the coach. So we obviously value something in him. Um, maybe he's got a high football IQ. I don't know Todd that well. But, you know, if Andy's values him and he's going to give him a chance, he's going to let him have some hiccups and – you know, maybe grows into a, a a great coach down the down the road. That's one of my biggest criticisms of this whole situation. Like you have to know if you're going to go in the direction the Eagles went to, you're going to have growing pains. You have to know that. You have to understand that. If you didn't want to go that way because you're a Super Bowl contender, then you should have hired veteran coaches and you should have ordered. You know what? We're on the cusp. We can't go. How we should have stepped in, Jeffrey should have stepped in and said, we can't go this direction. In the case of Sean Decide, like I said, and Damo kind of intimated it, they basically took Vic's advice. So maybe Vic already created a fireball offense for himself <laughs> because they took Vic's advice uh, to hire Sean Desai. And then offensively, they didn't want to lose Brian Johnson. And, and a year later, they can't wait to lose Brian Johnson. I, I don't like that kind of EKG, it's like a heart attack on an EKG. One, you don't want to lose him, and then you can't wait to get him out of the building a year later. So let me ask you this, and I don't think we've ever posed this question before. Um, Damo, uh, I just asked Damo, you and I have discussed all week. Rick Nick Sirianni did a really good job, at least he did it on me, of making me believe that the decide decision to fire him and bring in Patricia to call plays was his. When it first happened, I thought for sure, oh, man, they're pulling the strings from above. This this came from higher than Nick. Nick, and it was, yeah, it was Santa Liquido's article in, in Crossing Broad in which a couple coaches, and I don't know who Joe uses his sources, but he described them, coaches not on the Eagles staff said Sirianni is a coach's coach, that the coaches really like him, that he goes to bat for his coaches, that if you're on Nick Sirianni's staff, you're, you're in. You're, he's, he's your guy. Until he thought Sean Desai needed to get the hell out of Dodge. And then he became a non-coach's coach. That was one of the reasons why I didn't believe it was necessarily Sirianni's call. But he made me believe that day that it was. And maybe, like I said with Damo, he's just become a better liar. When they made the decision on hiring the two new coordinators for this year, Give me a percentage breakdown on whose call it was in your mind. Do you think that Nick hired both guys? Do you think Nick was guided to hire both guys? Do you think that Nick was dictated to to hire Desai and Brian Johnson? How do you think that decision-making process went down? I don't think he was dictated. Um, I think that's a strong word. Like I, I think he took Vic's advice uh, when it came to Sean Desai. I think he. I talk about how well. 
inside um big bands you know howie roseman all that kind of um so a little bit different i think offensively i think he would have preferred to go in a different direction i don't think it was dictated but I think the the Eagles' whole thought process, they knew they were losing Brian Johnson if they didn't elevate Brian Johnson, and they didn't want to lose him. And then, as I said, 12 months later, they can't wait to get him out of the building, not even 12 months later. So that, that to me, it's, you know, probably as bizarre as it sounds, the more way he had to go was Brian than Sean. I think Sean was complete. They asked Big. They wanted Big. What's your advice? What should we go? We want to play your scheme. And they took his advice. And with the offensive uh, coordinator was, well, we're going to lose him if we don't promote him. Yeah, that that to me is a faulty line of thinking. That, oh, we, we, we've got to promote him because if not, we're going to look. Okay, well. Uh, he, he has been given his walking papers well, here. Well, remember, you he don't hasn't have to, gotten you, an you, offensive coordinator position yet, and he is available to any and all other teams since he's basically out of work, and nobody has snapped him up at a time. Now, I know it's a year later, and he yeah, had that, the year's offense. They didn't have player. that hindsight. Yeah, they didn't have that hindsight. So I'll give him that. But, again, if that's your belief, to, you can't you can't have that drastic change that quickly. In my opinion, obviously you can do whatever you want. They did whatever they want, but my opinion, you have to bake that into your thought process. If you're going to make that decision, you're going to have some growing pains with a first year offensive coordinator. Um, and yeah, I mean Tampa Bay just hired another college guy coming back to the pros, uh, Liam Cohen. Um, is going to be the box offensive coordinator. Um, they just hired him this morning, I think. Um, so, you know, Brian will get a job somewhere. I think it'll be in that layered position between quarterbacks coach and um, offensive coordinator, sort of like Marcus Brady was here when he lost his offensive coordinator job, whether it's senior offensive uh, assistant, that type of thing. Um that's where I think it'll land. But yeah, I mean, this year is not comparable to last year because this year he's got the stain of being fired and the perception that the Eagles went backwards. And at least some people are saying it's his fault. Um, so that's a lot different than last year. Um, and the Eagles didn't want to lose him last year. Right. And again, that just my opinion. He had a good relationship with Jalen Hurts. Uh, how much because of your work as a quarterback coach should you run in fear of losing a guy? Because you're right, John. The one thing you continue to say, which I thoroughly agree with, is it was risky. You're taking a guy who's had one year of defensive coordinator experience, basically on the say-so of Vic Fangio, and you're taking a guy who's never been an offensive coordinator and he's Jalen Hurts' good buddy and handholder as a quarterback coach, and you're putting him in those two prominent positions. No, by the way, we're not going to cut you the slack of growing pains new to the job. Those things don't add up. Yeah. And and I believe that the Eagles set, set a bar. Season starts, going back to the Super Bowl. That's what's expected. And they should have, 
well, then you don't hire two wet behind the and, and what's even you know what's even more shocking and you and i've been talking about this way back is that everybody kind of said eh, no problem like it wasn't going to be a problem um and and you know huh he's got the same talent he'll be just like shane and with gannon it was even worse oh well, you got to be better than gannon uh, how many times you get those calls on on on, on wip so oh yeah you know Everybody thought, that eh, no issue. It's and kind of an issue. My thought was that I was more worried about offense than defense, even though, you know, I'm a Gannon guy, and I like the job that he did. But I thought Desai, with maybe just that one year of experience, um, could be better. I absolutely was worried about the offense. But John Q. Public, not so much. All right, he is uh, McMahon and I am McDonald. We are Mac and Mac Birds 365. We've got reason to talk to our next guest. Certainly, Kellen Moore is a big part of it, but the Cowboys have to get themselves a new defensive coordinator because their D.C. went up the turnpike to uh, Washington. Staying at home, the NFC East getting a little incestuous, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about all that with John Machota from the Athletic Cowboys Beat Guy next here on Birds 365. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. 
GLES Eagles. You got Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365, and we got John Machota from The Athletic good enough to jump in with us and uh, talk some football for 15, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, John, need to start with the most important question here. Did you have any idea that C.D. Lamb was as good a dodgeball player as he is? <laughs> no, but it doesn't surprise me. Some guys, you just it seems like they're so athletic and they're so good at whatever sport that it wouldn't matter whatever he was playing, he was going to be good at. So, no, I had no idea about that, but uh, I'm sure he'd rather not be playing dodgeball and be getting ready for a Super Bowl right now, though. That's very yeah. true. But let me let me follow up with one other C.D. Lamb question. And again, who's – what? oh, John Bell. Uh, sorry, John. John's not going to be happy because it's a non-Eagles question, and God forbid <laughs> we talk about Andy Reid and Todd Pinkston for two minutes. Uh, <laughs> why aren't you talking about Eagle draft picks? Five months in advance of the April draft. Uh, this is a nine Eagles question as well. Um, two guys who I just can't figure out in the National Football League, Travis Kelsey and C.D. Lamb. They are the main weapon on their team. I know it. You know it. The other team's defensive coordinator should know it. The other team's defensive back should know it. How the hell do they get so wide open? They're, 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 you know that they're going to throw the ball to them. You should be doubled on every single play. We're going to see it in the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey's going to be wide open. How does that happen? And I saw it several games, certainly the two Eagle uh, Cowboy games, but other Cowboy games as well. The C.D. Lamb is just running uncovered in a team secondary. How do defenses allow that to happen? I do think it speaks to the, the route running and the greatness of, of a Travis Kelsey and a CD Lamb to be able to do a lot of different things. That's got to be part of it because, let's be honest, uh, there's no Tyreek Hill anymore in Kansas City. So you used to sit there and think, hey, you know, well, you got to worry about Tyreek too. Well, there's really not. Who are you really worrying about outside Travis Kelsey? And same thing same thing in Dallas. Like, Brandon Cooks emerged during the second half of the season and, and looked like the, you know, a, a legit number two wide receiver. Jake Ferguson, the, the young tight end, started stepping up a little. But this Cowboys team really didn't have a run game at all. So it was like, if you take away CD, and then here's the other part about the Cowboys. If you took away CD early, his frustration kind of spilled over into the way he played the rest of the game. And so not only playing the Cowboys, should you try and take CD away at all costs, you should try and take him away early. And the thing, the Cowboys this season were able to rebound after maybe there was a bad performance and they went back to the drawing board and changed some things up. But those were always after games. It was never in games. In game, when Dak and CD weren't hitting, you knew it was going to be a bad day in the office, and that included the game in Green Bay that ended their season. Um, before we get to the most important subject, I did see Luke Keekley talking about Travis Kelsey, and Luke is probably – he's that guy. He was that guy who would call out plays. Probably. Like, he, he's got the highest football IQ ever. And he's like, Kelsey does stuff that – you're not supposed to do. He improvises. And, you know, people are like they're trying to cover a normal route, and he's just on the same page as Patrick Mahomes. So that part was interesting to me. But I want to give you the floor here, John. Kellen Moore, what what are the Eagles getting with Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator? I've always been a big Kellen Moore fan. Um, when he took over the offense in Dallas in 2019, they ended up having, they were outstanding that year. And then he has to, you know, be part of the coaching change where obviously the Cowboys thought a lot of him where how often does a new head coach come in and they're like, we really like you, 
but we really want you to take this offensive coordinator too because we think he's one of the young and up-and-coming coaches in the league. And that was part of Mike McCarthy taking the job in Dallas in 2020. And that 2020 pandemic season was terrible for the Cowboys. It was awful. You know, that was first year Mike Nolan being their defensive coordinator. Nothing was good in Dallas. So I understand that somebody could look at that and be like, oh, what happened to Kellen here in 2020? 2021, 2022 goes right back to being one of the best offenses in the league. He, they part ways and they go in another direction. And he ended up being kind of like a scapegoat here in Dallas. And I and we know I, about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to get to that. <laughs> and I kind of think it's it's funny because it's like he had a, he had a big say in, in, in a lot of their success here because of the fact that, yes, in the last three years, they've won 12 games in a row. Well, he's been a big part of those first two years where that happened. And down here, it was kind of one of those things where, wow, the offense looks pretty good and Dak's playing well and. They're winning 12 games, but what aren't they doing? They're not winning in the playoffs. So what are we going to do? The head coach isn't going anywhere. Jerry Jones isn't going anywhere. Dak Prescott isn't going anywhere. Dan Quinn, this is the best defense has looked in, in decades. He's not going anywhere. So it was almost like one of those things where fans, I think, gravitated towards it, almost to, like, comfort themselves and, like, uh, no, 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 this will be different this year. We'll be better this year. we got a new offensive coordinator. It's like, do you think it's going to be better? You don't know. Like, and Mike McCarthy in the first year of calling plays, it was a good offense. I didn't see anything that I thought like, wow, this was way better than when Kellen was here. It was pretty comparable, to be honest with you. So I think Kellen gets kind of a bad rap, um, but I certainly think he's still one of the best young coaches in the NFL. What was Dak's stance when Kellen was told his services were no longer needed and Dak's stance on the offense this year with McCarthy calling plays? uh, Just a good team soldier and uh, gives you the company line or – uh, maybe off the record, yeah, we missed him. Yeah, no, McCarthy was actually better. What do you think the quarterback's take was on the difference between last year of Kellen Moore, first year of McCarthy calling plays? I don't know that Dak Prescott will ever reach that ultimate success and win a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, but I don't think anybody can handle the off the field being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback better better than Dak can. I mean, he is the perfect person for that, the way he carries himself. But, no, it was very evident when Kellen first left that Dak was not happy about it. I mean, they had grown again. I mean, Kellen Moore was a teammate of his. In 2016, Kellen Moore was supposed to be the guy that took over when Romo went down, and then Dak came out of nowhere after after Kellen Moore got hurt, and then it ended up being like, oh, no, this is Dak's show now. And then the following year, now Kellen Moore is the, the quarterback coach, and then he goes to OC. So they had a close bond. I mean, they had worked together as players and, and quarterback coach and then coordinator. So, no, Dak was not happy about it at first. And I think it took him a little bit of time to get used to McCarthy. But I would say as we stand here today, I think him and McCarthy are as close as they've ever been. And so that's probably a good thing for the offense. But by no means was Dak ready for a change or thought that Kellen Moore needed to go. Um, uh, Jody mentioned a little bit of incestuousness and <laughs> that's a word, uh, in the NFC Stan Quinn going over to Washington to be the head coach. I think we all look at Dan and say, boy, really good, uh, defensive coordinator. The Cowboys have had a really good defense and then the playoffs came and it just looked bad. Um, and I, I you know, I often wonder because owners in this league can be almost as impatient as fans. And, you know, one game can mean a lot. And I think everybody, I thought Dan would be back in Seattle. I thought they were setting up that whole thing. Uh, And all of a sudden they had that, the Cowboys had that game defensively in the playoffs. How did that go over, John? 
you and me both thought he'd be in Seattle. So it is interesting. The I don't know if that Green Bay game changed their thinking, um, but that obviously didn't go well. And and it wasn't because it'd be one thing. It was just like one. There were there were some of those against San Francisco earlier this year. Uh, there was a game that looked like that uh, against Buffalo this year. And particularly their biggest issues was stopping the run. They just they couldn't do it. And it's been that way now for a couple of years, and it hasn't really improved. The other thing is that he hasn't fared well against some of those, the NFC West, young gun coaches in McVay and Shanahan. And so that's part of where I'm thinking, like, well, that could factor in the Seattle decision as well. So um, it is interesting he ends up in Washington. I, I would not have predicted that when the season ended um, and Washington waiting as long as they did to make a high coaching hire. I don't know this to be a fact, but it certainly the optics of it look like they didn't get their top couple candidates. No, they wanted Ben Johnson, right? Ben's and, looking for 15 million a year as a right. first time head coach. So, yeah. And want... to be honest with you, I don't really have an issue with that because I would want some stability. I would look over at Frank, Reich. I would look over at Carolina who wanted Ben Johnson the year before and go, Oh, yeah, the number one pick. You got the quarterback you wanted. You're gone. You don't even get a full yeah, season. Yeah. Why am I going to go to Washington? I'll get the two pick. I get Drake May. This thing isn't going well early. You know, maybe I got to put, you know, Sam Howell back in there. And next thing I know that I'm on I'm on pins and needles thinking I'm going to lose my job. Nah, I'll run it back with this Detroit squad one more year. They got a good <laughs> offense. Like There's yeah. something about the Washington Carolina type jobs where it's easier to go to Seattle. It's easy to go to the Baltimore Ravens, Packers, Steelers, some of these organizations like that. Heck, even the Eagles. Um, th- there's Washington is not one of those. Yeah, so yeah. I certainly think that, that Dan's a good, I just, one of those things, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it would not surprise me if he's the right guy and ends up for where they are as an organization. And people will look back on this and be like, man, remember that? That wasn't even like their first pick. And that might've been the perfect thing. Cause I wonder if a young first time head coach is the right thing for where Washington is right now. I think Dan Quinn could be a good coach there. Cause the thing I keep going back to People like to ding uh, Dan's resume for the Super Bowl loss. Yeah. I like to just take it to before the game started and say, he took the Atlanta Falcons to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. I say the same thing Crazy. here, John. Crazy. The, the, the Eagles made the Super Bowl last year, and so many Eagles fans don't look at that as an accomplishment right. because they already had them winning. It's really hard to get through a Super Bowl. Now, Patrick Mahomes makes it look easy. Tom Brady did. And that kind of skews everything. It's really hard to make the Super Bowl, especially if you're the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So that was a hell of an accomplishment. I'm with you 100%. And I, I don't want to do this, but I feel the need to because it's the way that I look at things. Are we prejudging jo- uh, Joshua Harris as the owner of the Skins? Do we hold him accountable for yeah. the Washington unshaky ownership for the last 5, 10, 50. That's Dan Snyder. You want to put no. on Dan Snyder? Go ahead. Beat the snot out of him. He, he, he's done and he's gone. Don't we have to give Joshua Harris the chance to prove that he isn't a overreactive, my God, one year you suck, you're gone type of owner? I, I don't know. In Philadelphia, most of the Sixer fans are not big Joshua Harris fans, but I won't hold his ownership of the Redskins against them in comparison to the 76ers. But um, right. don't but, you but, think it would be just, a good job? Just a different ownership, to me, from where Washington was, is a positive. Oh, yeah. They, if, oh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I and also if you're Joshua Harris, think about where, where the bar is right now. 
you just have to just do some basic okay things and people will be like all right wow look at this like if if they're able to get a new stadium forget what even happens on the field if they can even get a new stadium you're just like okay well this is at least the the bar was so low uh for that ownership group and so hey i I just think dan quinn will end up being it's a good it's a good hire for right now do i do i think he's going to take washington the super bowl in the next few years like he did in 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 atlanta i don't i i think it's going to a little bit be a little bit drake drake may could be that good i'm could be just saying just saying could Could be be. and we see down in houston how quickly if you by the way it's very early in the process but i i've been coming a Jaden daniels fan i like him better than uh both drake may and kelly I, I saw that Cal, Caleb Williams play against uh, Notre Dame. I go, what the hell is this? That's one of the worst games I've seen from a number one type level prospect. So I'm probably overreacting to that. But we got plenty of time to talk about the draft. The Cowboys have to find a DC. Could we could we see a trade? Ron Rivera talk, uh, Dallas. Mike Zimmer wants back at 67. He is older than Vic, by the way, Jody. Um, Vic Bangio, uh, 67 years old. Al Harris. A lot of people talking about Al Harris down there. You want to elevate him? I'll, I'll tell you, if they want to elevate uh, Al Harris, John, we went through a season where the Eagles hired young coordinators, and they weren't about growing pains, so – you, you kind of have to understand there's going to be growing pains with a young coach if they go that route. What are your early indications uh, about the next defensive coordinator? I'd be really surprised if they went with a first first time DC. I just Mike McCarthy being in the last year of his contract. I know that Joe Witt Jr. would be the the natural replacement because he's been in the system. He knows what Dan Quinn liked. He'd worked with Dan Quinn before Dallas, and then he has a long track track record with Mike McCarthy. But I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying I'll be surprised if that happens because I'm going off of what I've seen over the last decade plus. And in the last decade, the Cowboys have not had a defensive coordinator that hadn't previously been an NFL head coach, much less a defensive coordinator in the NFL. So that you got to go back to 2013. Monty Kiffin's the last defensive coordinator the Cowboys have had that did not have head coaching experience. And then Mike McCarthy's side of it, you go all the way back to, I think, 2009. You got Dom Capers. Dom Capers had previous head coaching experience. When they moved on from Dom Capers, Mike Pettin had previous head coaching experience. He comes to Dallas. His D.C. hires Mike Nolan. It didn't work out, but previous head coaching experience. Dan Quinn. Like, to just all of a sudden in the final year of a contract, which could be your last year, that's where the Ron Rivera thing, that's when the Mike Zimmer thing, uh, Brandon Staley, the wild card here that a lot of people will talk about down here would be Mike Vrabel. But if you're Mike McCarthy, do you want a guy coming in there? Yeah. That's really yeah. He could be your next head coach. Yeah. So I don't know that you'd love that, but that's where I'm leaning. And I think the longer this plays out, the more that that's the chance. Cause let's be honest, if you wanted it to be Joe Witt or Al Harris or the defensive line coach, Adam Durday, you could do that today. You could do yeah. that. You could have yeah. done that yesterday when Dan Quinn, the news came out, he was going to Washington. So let me ask you this. Um, Jerry Jones took a stance. Season ended, rumors, whispers all over the place. We're going through the same thing here in Philadelphia. And Jeff Lurie and Harry Roseman stayed behind closed doors when Jeff wasn't out shopping for a yacht. Um, but <laughs> other than that, they did not put their opinion on whether a coaching change was needed or not. Jerry came out right away and said, McCarthy's my coach. You can just stop all your talk about it. 
He chose a specific way to handle business. The Eagles did it opposite. I'm not saying which was right or which was wrong. You weren't surprised that Jerry grabbed the mic, right? Uh, any given, given a chance, Jerry's going to make an announcement. That's what Jerry does. He's a very hands-on type owner. If he hadn't done that, I think you would have had a bigger story in Dallas than we had here in Philadelphia. That what the hell are the Eagles going to do? You aren't surprised, Jerry. Uh, Gave McCarthy a verbal backing even after that playoff loss, right? Well, he didn't do it right after the game, and he had multiple opportunities. So we'll at least say that he had at least to think about it for a couple of days before it was done. But if you just look at the the way Jerry Jones has made decisions over the last decade, it would have been a surprise for him to move on. Uh, The Cowboys, they've drafted well, but they haven't been really that aggressive, whether you could talk about free agency, moves like that, like the, the gambler Jerry Jones, the... Uh, Wildcatter, that was more of the 90s, Jerry Jones. We haven't really seen that in a, yeah. in a decade plus down here. And so that's why that Mike McCarthy sticking with him another year lines up with where Jerry's thinking's at. Um, and, and let's be honest, I don't think that they needed to make a change just to make a change. Me personally, I thought it would have been interesting and worthwhile for, for Bill Belichick just because of where this team's at. Like like you're talking about like some of the hot head coaching candidates going into this cycle, Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick. I don't think that a young first-time head coach is what this team needed. But a guy like Belichick, the skins on the wall that he has, I get a lot of people will say maybe, hey, maybe the game's passed him by or whatever. That would have intrigued me. But I wouldn't have made just a change to make a change because, again, they have won 12 games each of the last three seasons. They do have a talented roster. This isn't I, – I, I think some people get it skewed that the NFL just hypes up the Cowboys or something, so they get in these playoff games like it's some invitational or something. Like They've been a really good team the last three years. The, the, the parody in the NFL is set up that you don't win 12 games each of the last three years. Their problem is that they can't do it in the playoffs. And no. nobody in that building, just like not, nobody here or anybody listening, nobody has an idea of exactly how you get past that. I mean, Dak Prescott, after that game, when, when talking about the way he played and things like that, that's the most – I feel like lost for words I've ever seen Dak Prescott. I, they don't have the answers to why they play like that in the playoffs. Yeah, I was about to say, because that was uh, uh, just from the coin toss on. I mean, uh, and Jody loves that. You know, Matt LaFleur showed the, the courage. Yeah, give him the ball. They went right down the field. They wanted to to set the tone. Jordan Love got hot at the right time. Boy, he's talented. I I, I love him long term. Uh, the Packers ran them out of the building, and the Cowboys don't lose at AT&T Stadium. I can't come up with a reason why that happened. You you kind of alluded to it there. Are the Cowboys stacked the same way? It's like, wow, that was like somebody just came in, punched you in the face, and said, all right, we're, go- we're just going to steal this from you. They look at a loss for words figuratively in that game. Yeah, and and here's the thing too about the offense. That's the offense they had on the field that they had at the start of training camp. It's not like they were dealing with a bunch of injuries. Like you're playing at home, that's where you're most comfortable. Like there were no excuses for the offense not to play well. Now the defense, they were missing some pieces, um, but still, Green Bay. I get it if if they win the game late or something like to just dominate you from the beginning at home where you've won you had won 16 in a row. That made no sense, and that's why I think even. Like Michael Parsons, obviously one of probably the best quote on the team, didn't talk after the game, didn't do his podcast the week after, just finally did it yesterday uh, or the, sorry, the day before. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where you could tell everybody was stunned. Michael Parsons said on his podcast that he was embarrassed to even go out in public like a week after the game. And I totally get that. I mean, that was 
That is a complete head scratcher. There's no excuse for the way they play. Mike Mike McCarthy characterized it as a as a bad. We picked a bad day to have a bad game, and I'm just like, you picked a bad day to have maybe the worst game we've ever seen you play. Because I'm also I understand Green Bay looked good against the Niners. Surprised me with how good they looked. But yeah. I still don't even think that was a Green Bay thing. I think that was more about the Cowboys than it was about the Packers. When it looked that lopsided, I, I just I, I don't buy that it was just the Packers just had, oh, they had the secret sauce or whatever. That was more about the Cowboys to me and, and something that needs to get fixed, whether it's behind the scenes or whatnot. Maybe it's a new head coach eventually, but uh, you just that's, that's inexcusable. It's too good of a team to lose it, like in, that. In many ways, though, John, does that, because it was such an outlier, does that, I don't, I don't know, the right word, but do you kind of just write it off? I know it's hard to write off a playoff game, especially in Dallas and especially with the recent history, but it was just one of those games. He called it, it was a bad day to have a bad day, so to speak. Um, and they just had a bad day. Is there, is there something to say for not overreacting to that? Even though it's really difficult, you got to be really disciplined, but Jerry didn't overreact to that. Can that be a good thing? Uh, it can, um, but I lean more towards it's not a good thing because here's my – this is a team that hasn't won or a franchise that hasn't won a Super Bowl or even been in the NFC Championship game in 28 years, and their problems have been in the playoffs. And so if you're a player on that team and it and that season ends that way, no matter how good things go during the regular season this next year, no matter how good of a training camp you have, you could win 15 games next year. When that first playoff game starts – Wild card, heck, maybe maybe you win. The, you get the one seed, and, and you're hosting the divisional round. You don't think they 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 show up that stadium that doesn't creep in just a little bit? This oh, yeah. team that can't get past the playoffs, I find it very well, hard to believe. Especially with Dak, especially with Dak, yeah. and I find it hard to believe in this social media era with these guys that live on their phones that they're that that isn't that added pressure to them as well. I don't care what they do during the regular season. Soon as January starts, whenever their first playoff game is, if they make the playoffs. Uh, that will be in their head for sure. It, it, I don't see how it wouldn't. A little bit of a semantical uh, debate. Um, when Nick Sirianni, when Eagles had their postseason press conference and the coach and the general manager got up there, Nick Sirianni did a an outstanding job of selling the fact that he made the decision to fire Sean Desai uh 11 games into this 10 and 3 at the time shoot after the cowboy game the cowboys got sean desai fired um or uh pushed up demoted, demoted. Eat, that's right demoted. i don't want to say fired to eat hot dogs in the booth uh <laughs> rather than call the place um to me that's a fireable offense if you did it coach nick and it was your call and you went to your boss and said we need this drastic change and matt patricia's just the guy that's a fireable offense <laughs> What the Cowboys did against the Packers, that's a fireable offense with the continued playoff shortcomings, including under McCarthy. Now, they both dodged the bullet. They're both back as head coach this year. And people are saying that Sirianni is a lame duck. I choose a different word. I choose a hot seat coach. He certainly he starts the season on the hot seat because of what happened with the Eagles collapsing the way they did. I'd certainly say the same about McCarthy, but I even go that step further and say he's a lame duck coach because he's only got one year left to go. So how does that play in Dallas this year? We've uh, speculated we'll do it all the way up until the season starts on how serious he's going to handle coaching on this hot seat. How does McCarthy handle it as a lame duck coach in Dallas? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, 
you know, it worked out the first time with Jason Garrett's contract. The second time it didn't. So this is Jerry Jones is just following along what he's been doing uh, the last couple of times these contracts have come up with his head coaches. So the, it'll be interesting. I think that we'll know early on in the season. You know, that's the thing. Uh, that 2010 season when Jason Garrett ended up being the interim coach, things things just didn't go well early in the season for Wade Phillips, and it was trending in that direction. Uh, which is kind of interesting when we talk about the defensive coordinator hire too, because if you just promote somebody within, what if things are going so poorly that you move on from Mike McCarthy? Who's your head coach? There wouldn't be one on on the, yeah. on the staff that anybody yeah. would point to. It, Brian Schottenheimer, uh, whoever that DC would be that's from the staff. I mean, that I don't see Jerry Jones allowing that to happen. That's where I think Jerry would step in and be like, no, we need somebody with a little bit more experience there. But I, Mike's got so much skin on the wall from just his resume. I mean, you know, if he doesn't coach anymore after this season, his resume is one of the better ones in the NFL history. I mean, he's won a Super Bowl. He's been a longtime head coach. He's had a lot of playoff appearances now. Uh, so I think for him, and the, where he's different from Sirianni is just the experience that he has. He's been in a lot of different situations where he knows that, hey, I might be coaching for my job this season. He might have felt that way last year, to be honest with you, going into playoffs and things like that. So being a veteran coach, I think you'll be able to handle it pretty well. I do think that the, that the players really like him. He is a player's coach for sure. And so I don't see them just kind of folding up shop and being like, all right, we're done for this season early on. Now, maybe midway half, you know, towards the end of the season, maybe that happens uh, because they see the writings on the wall that they're getting a new head coach. But I think that they'll play hard for him. I think there is good leadership on the team, um, but it is a tough spot. I also kind of make the argument, though, in the NFL nowadays, are you really do you really get three years four years to be a coach anymore like i i, yeah. I almost think it is a year-to-year thing where you're just like man we have a bad year i could get fired here because even with the nick sirianni thing and i'm not a big nick sirianni fan i think he makes it about himself way too much as a coach he got them the super bowl last year like i don't know how you can move on from that guy only a year yeah. later he deserves the ability to try and fix a 667 winning percentage John, yeah. with three playoff consecutive playoff bursts yeah to lose both your coordinators to be he was ordered you know that close to being fired yeah and that's tough to lose both your coordinators if you go to the super bowl and just think like oh no it's fine we'll just run it back we'll be we'll be good like i mean that's a lot of moving pieces to replace those two important positions and so yeah i i i think it would be ridiculous to get rid of him after well a year removed from the super bowl at uh john mashota follow john on x uh twitter um Read him at theathletic.com. Does a tremendous job with the covering the Dallas Cowboys. I'll I'll end it here with you and the fact that we talked about Dan Quinn, Washington, the incestual nature. How bad would it be for Jerry Jones if I don't know one week Dan Quinn holds the Cowboys to twenty, you get a big upset, then Kellen Moore puts a forty spot on him? How bad would that be for Jerry Jones? It'll be really bad because. <laughs> the fans will be even more frustrated than they are right now. And this is about as frustrated they've probably been in a long time. Uh, but to see that happen, that I, man, that would not be good. Um, I, it's going to be a lot of fun storylines. Here, I'll give you a storyline. I'll give you a storyline coming off of that. If Kellen Moore and that offense looked great, let's say the Eagles get back to the Super Bowl and the Cowboys imploded, Kellen Moore would be very high on the list of guys I could see Jerry Jones going after to be the yeah. next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles might have to fire Nick Sirianni yeah, well, yeah. Kellen Moore. I know oh, Jerry. That, yeah. That'll that'll be in Philadelphia much. <laughs> I guarantee you, phone lines on WIP. 
Get Nick out of here. And by the way, we can't. Chip, oh my God, we can't lose Kellen Moore. I guarantee you that's the song. And and, and guys, I'm rooting for Chip Kelly to get to Washington as the offensive coordinator. We'll have all this Chip Oof. Kelly in Washington, Dan Quinn in Washington, Kellen Moore in Philadelphia. Wow, a lot of good stuff in the NFC East coming up this year. Uh, strange bedfellows. That's what we like about the <laughs> National Football League. Uh, Johnny M- Machota, always a pleasure whenever you come on with us. Thank you very much for doing it. Good luck to uh, C.D. Lamb. Uh, I don't know if he's – did he do the golf thing too? Dodge I know ball. he was great at uh, dodgeball, but uh, I guess – Did you like the movie Dodgeball? Patches of Hulahan, guys. Uh, duck, dip, dodge, and uh, I forget the last one. I think it was dodge again. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. No, good movie. I enjoyed it for sure. I, I watched it. I've forgotten it. Uh, but uh, C.D. Lamb kicked ass in dodgeball yesterday. We'll see if any of the Eagles and the Cowboys do better in the Pro Bowl. Because that's all we got this weekend. No football. You got to wait around for the stinking Super Bowl for two weeks. So you're stuck watching dodgeball with the NFL players. Mishota will enjoy as we did having him here with us today. Thanks, J.F. Thanks for having me on, guys. That Thanks, is John Machota here with us on uh, yeah. Bird Street. That's his greatest dodgeball coach of all time. We're talking about coaches. Patches. Is, is that the name of the dodgeball yeah. guy? I, I saw the movie. I, it's not one that I can quote and or uh, give you a rundown of the <laughs> characters in. I Delaware Valley Insurance time. Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now for one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of the two managing partners, either Jim or Fran, and tell them you're a friend of both Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, managing partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line 
So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365, Mac and Mac guys, and the week as well. Uh, next week, it'll actually be Super Bowl week. This is Super Bowl hurry up and wait week, but next week, it'll actually be Super Bowl week. Uh, one last note from the incestuous column of the NFC East, um, and I had missed this, and I try and stay on top of the, the New York Post. I had to go to the sports section at least twice last week, and I didn't see anything about it. Um, Denard Wilson, former Eagles D-backs coach, uh, interviewed for the defense coordinator position. Eagles decided to go in the uh, Fangio slash decide direction. So Denard up and left for uh, the uh, lateral position with the Ravens this year. At least he got to out well. Not not lateral turned out because he got Kyle Hamilton and uh, Marlon Humphrey and Captain. Yeah, he he, uh, and got uh, credit for the great season they had and got himself a defensive coordinator position. That would be with the Tennessee Titans. I did not realize. I just read this this morning. He interviewed for the New York Giants defensive coordinator. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that Winky Gang decided, yeah, I'm out of here because he couldn't get along with Brian Dable. I did not know that, that he was, uh, we're talking about the sessuous nature of the NFC East. How about Denard Wilson coming back? To yeah, that would have been great. Running the Giants defense next year and sticking it to um, I, I, Ariani. And like I said about Denard, I'm sure it's disappointing in the moment, but that worked out for him because now he gets a defensive coordinator job. He'll have a real opportunity with an offensive head coach, and he'll have at least, like John mentioned, John Machado mentioned, nobody's got years and years, but at least they'll have a little bit more time. If he were here, he would have been in the same position of Sean Desai and mm-hmm. a lack of personnel, and if Things probably would have went, they might have been a little bit better, but there wasn't the personnel to be that much better. And I think he would have been one and done here, especially with Vic, you know, forcing his way out of Miami, essentially. Um, And Vic would have been here, would have worked out the same way. So probably worked out for him long term. And um, not a big fan of Tennessee's personnel right now on defense either, but as we talked about. (laughs) 
There's one guy. There's one guy. You need 11. Um, But here's the difference between Tennessee and Philadelphia if it stayed here and uh, gotten a job. Expectations. One had Super Bowl expectations. You better get back to the Super Bowl expectations. Tennessee's expectations, new coach, offensive coach. Yeah, nobody's getting fired after one year in Tennessee this year. They're, they're going to be allowed to have those growing pains. He will get just that in Tennessee. All right, J-Mac, we'd be out of time. I'm good for next week. You uh, Super Bowl bound or you going to be here all week? What's your schedule? Going to be here. Uh, no Eagles, so I'm not going to the Super Bowl, and I'm not uh, upset by that at all. <laughs> Only a trip to Vegas would have been okay. Yeah, that would have been all right. That part would have been all right, but uh, yeah. I've been to enough Super Bowls. So I can I can take one off. You can you can do without. Uh, yeah, I, I'm bummed because I'm not going to Vegas. Not because I'm not going to the Super Bowl, but I'm not going to Vegas. But uh, we'll be here all next week. You're going to get John McMullen, Jody McDonald in two and two days. This is. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.